are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. You guys, badgermapping.com. Steve launched it back in 2011, 2012. They scaled to over a million of revenue in 2017. Today, doing 6 million of revenue because over 4,100 companies who have field sales teams, they have to drive a route, knock on doors, etc. Use Badger Mapping to plan that route for efficiency, save on gas, gas, get more done, close more sales. He's doing this, uh, again, about 8,000 live seats on the platform. They're taking in and doing over 500, call it 2,000 calls per month. They're getting leads from integration partners like Salesforce. And he's done all of this totally bootstrapped, which we love. Hey, folks, my guest today is Steve Benson. He's the founder and CEO of Badger Maps, the number one app in the App Store for outside and field salespeople to upgrade existing CRMs with mapping, routing, and scheduling. He's also the CEO of Badger Sales University and hosts the Outside Sales Talk podcast specifically for outside salespeople and is currently president of the Sales Hall of Fame. Steve, you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely. I want to know order of operations on these things. Did you have the software company first and then you launched the university and then you launched the podcast or was it podcast university SaaS? What was the order of operations? It was SaaS company, then uh, then podcast and then university. Okay. So you, you ha- had the SaaS company and said, you know what? I don't have to go raise a bunch of money. I need a moat. Let me go launch media right, to get attention and get leads from. Was that sort of thinking? Exactly. I mean, it's it's one of these classic micro niche podcasts. The, the the group of people that we sell to our ideal customer profile is a field salesperson, an outside salesperson, and the the name of the podcast is Outside Sales Talk. So we have experts come on who are expert in experts in sales and teach what their areas of expertise through the lens of um, knowing that the listeners are generally field salespeople and outside salespeople because that's who uses our product. Knowing what you know about your show, what would you tell SaaS founders who say, Nathan, how do I get as many downloads as possible on my show I'm looking to launch? How would you respond to that? Well, I mean, we, we can't all be as popular as you, uh, for starters. <laughs> so no, I'm trying to give you the opportunity to talk about the importance of a niche, small market, but they're all potential yeah. buyers about your maps. That's exactly what I was going to say. We don't, we don't have to be... Um, as you don't have to have a huge podcast you you have to have a podcast that is very specifically valuable in some way to a very specific group of people your ideal customer profile and you know some people have larger hams than others and so it can be more broadly applicable but you know if if 300 people are listening to your podcast but they're 300 people that are your ideal customer profile who each pay you 100 grand a year that's amazing so it, it really it's less about you know, being the most popular kid on the block and more about uh, have you created value for the, the the same niche that that you sell your software to? Yep. You get the company going back uh, 2012, 2013. You break a million, a million six in revenue. You've been on the show a couple of times in 2017. Scaled to 3 million in 2018. You scaled up from there to about 4 or 5 million in 2022. Where's the company to 
today and, and talk to us a little bit how you capitalize the business. Um, today, we're at $6 million in ARR. Um, we've capitalized the business. Um, it's a it's bootstrap. We just small a small friends and family round in, uh, about 10 years ago. Uh, other than that, it's been bootstrap. We've, we've brought in uh, money from revenue from selling the product uh, early on. Customer funded, and- baby. Let's go. Customer funded and, and also well we've used we've used debt over the years. Um, we use debt from several providers and currently, uh, as you know, we use Founderpath as our as our debt provider. Steve and I lived together during COVID, and we're talking more and more about this idea that there needed to be sort of a revenue based fund that was built by an operator, not a private equity person, not a VC, like an operator who actually knows what founders need. He was one of the big reasons I actually launched Founderpath. And Steve, it's great to see to fast forward today, you know, $150 million fund, 160 um, founders using it. We're having a blast. So I pre- appreciate the extra push on that. You are one, really one of the early advocates of debt financing. Why is it so important to, to you to keep equity? Well, I mean, I, I would, I guess there's two answers to that. One, um, it, I, I don't think that SaaS companies are always a good fit for for venture capital. And in, 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 I'd say a lot more often than not, they're not a good fit for venture capital. There's so many small problems in the world that uh, don't ha- aren't, just don't have the explosive growth that you need for to, to really satisfy the venture model. And certainly, um, certainly, I'm in one of those, and I think a lot of SaaS companies are in in those. Venture needs very specific things to to make their their economics work. Um, so debt's really a much better way to go. Debt and bootstrapping, I think, for for many many SaaS businesses. Not all, obviously. There are there are you know SaaS businesses that start out they seem small, but then they pivot a little bit, or something happens that they become really big. Um, then they are, you know, they seemed niche, but they're actually not. There are some that you didn't think would win, but then win, and so they end up a lot bigger. There, uh, so there, there's a lot of different situations you can find yourself in. So there, uh, certainly, there's lots of places venture is appropriate for, but there's also lots of places that venture would say, ah, you guys are, you know, you're you're growing a little too slowly, or ah, the TAM's a little too small, or ah, this is this is not that this is not that interesting of a space for us, or oh, it's too crowded. There are a lot of reasons, right, that they could that they could not like something. But they could be a very attractive business with a that that have great economics for for founders, employees. Um, but uh, but it's not a good fit. I was I was joking. I call you a cockroach SaaS company, right? Because you have the most. I mean, you know, obviously everything on Founderpath is confidential, so we can't talk about that here on the podcast unless you reveal it. But what I can say is, like, we have data that you've shared with us since 2015, and I have. I don't. I mean, I maybe seen on a handful. I can count on one finger the consistent like clockwork growth month over month every month for like almost 10 years is just remarkable to me and what's funny is and i think i told you this but you literally sell a tool to people driving physical routes right to plan that route nobody was door knocking and delivering and touching hands in person during covid and i'm going holy crap i can't like steve's gonna have to pivot here something's gonna have to change you barely lost any revenue in 20 i mean how did that even happen well, so we, we we did lose a lot of revenue, but we gained it all back. Not all of it, though. We still we shrunk about eight percent in twenty twenty because, as you say, it's a there were, it's a bad time to be meeting your customers face to face, and that's how you know most of our customers. Um, that's what most of them do. We do have a field service uh, side too that helped a lot during that period. 
Um, and I think, you know, we lost we, some industries. What is that? What does that do? Field service. It, it's, it's basically people that go out and do something in the field. They, they fix something, they adjust something, they meet with someone. So who's buying that? Something. Like utility companies, H, HVAC pool cleaners. Yeah. He, things like that. Exactly. Um, people that have to go out to houses, people that have to go out to places of business and, and inter- interact with the stuff that's there somehow. But the key is for us is that it's not a perfect schedule. Like if you just had 20 customers and you, you know, were going to two a day every in, in a ten, on a 10 day loop, you wouldn't have a mapping and routing problem. Right. it's it's if you have to make decisions in the field or or when you're preparing to go to the field about who you're going to see because you have 200 places you could be going and you have to choose which one's the most important that's really where we come in and that's whether you're a field salesperson or a field service person the problem is very similar it's a little more common i think on the sales side and that's where you see more of our business um you know, because by nature, field salespeople, you know, are making decisions about where they're going to allocate their time with which customers and with which prospects. Mm-hmm. You also have, um, I don't know that you'd call yourself like a great salesperson or marketer, but I think you're one of the best. I mean, and you don't have to look past the, the the GIF you built, the animated GIF and your website header. I think it's, I look at a lot of product demos. It's the most, one of the most powerful I've seen because literally in a five second GIF, you understand exactly what Badger Maps does with your lasso tool on the mobile app. And then Boom, boom, boom! It lists the route, and it's just so clear and concise. Um, does it? This we, must we, sell a lot of people. This, it's a big, big, big update on that uh, front. Actually, we just updated from like a iPhone. I don't know what it was. A, it was like a nine or something, or an eight. I, I don't know what it was. It was really old, and now it's now it's like the fourteen to the fifteen. So that just happened last <laughs> That's week. The big update. Very excited to check out the website. Brand new, brand, brand new iPhone behind the gift. That's amazing. I want to talk a little about conversions, right? So you have get a demo on free trial. How many new demos are you doing per month? Uh, new demos, uh, like we 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 count things either a first meeting or a or a or a signed up trial is is a you know verified lead, um, and we're doing about five hundred a week, so two thousand a month. Okay. How are you? How many people are taking those 500 calls per week? Good question. Um, so on the state, we have we have uh, five full time salespeople, and then as people have uh, as they get more into the product and want to try it out and work with it, we we have a a customer success team that is also the deployment team. Um, so we, we bundled those two roles for the most part. There are, are some people, a couple people that really specialize in the most complex deployments to, you know, complex CRM situations. That's, How many that's on the CS team? Um, eight, I'd say. Okay. Don't, so you have, don't you have, quote me on that. I'm, if I'm forgetting. That's someone. okay. But you have eight <laughs> there on the customer success team plus five on the sales, right? So that's, you know, 12, mm-hmm. 13 people there. Those people take 500 calls a week together. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Okay, and, and which only, is about. I mean, that's not a lot. That's not just... nothing, Steve. I mean, that's like 40 calls per 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 person per week. Well, you know, there there are. We actually have some some more help for some of those because there's a team in the Philippines as well that uh, wow. that that also takes um, a lot of the calls that are single seat deals. So like a a, a we kind of break people into okay they're they're this is 
an end user who wants to buy one license versus this is a team that wants to, you know, is going to have a longer sales cycle. And it's someone making a decision for a group of people. Yep. Yep. Talk to me about integrations, Salesforce, Microsoft Dynamics, HubSpot, Zoho, et cetera. Is any one of these like the clear winner in terms of the leads they drive you per month? Um, yeah, I'd say Salesforce is definitely the the largest in terms of like uh, leads and people interested, which makes sense, right? Like I, I think it's it's the a the largest CRM, like they have a bigger footprint, but they're also the one that by purchasing Salesforce, you are indicating that you are fine spending money on on these types of problems. So if you have you know, we, we integrate with Salesforce, we integrate with Zoho. The, the integrations are just as good. I don't have a horse in this game, but Zoho, if uh, someone who's purchased Zoho is is showing that they're more cost conscious, they're they're willing to take shortcuts, they want the cheaper thing. Um, and so it it uh it they're less likely to purchase add-ons of this nature. So and that that's you know, we we bring routing and mapping to the CRM for the field team. Um, it's it's very clear like a, well that you had your CRM and this is like an extra thing that makes it useful in the field makes makes helps you out but it's it's uh, if you if it was already a heavy lift to buy a CRM maybe you don't want add-ons you know yep and and how many paying customers say when you add up all the leads you've gotten from all these integrations over the years um, we have uh, just over four thousand customers wow okay and I see on sales. Force App Exchange, the starting seat price is 49 bucks a month. Is it fair to say those 4,100 customers pay on average about 40 bucks a month? Um, I'd say it's, I think the average seat price is uh, 55-ish bucks a month because there's it's it's 49 if you're buying annually, uh, yep. 59 if you're buying um, month to month. But those 4,100 customers you gave me, those weren't seats. Those were companies, right? So how many seats do those 4,100 companies pay for? Oh yeah, th those are companies. Those are logos, not um, not licenses. Um, licenses. I'd have to do the math on this, but I think it's around uh, eight thousand ish. I mean, well, I mean, it, it, I guess you can just divide. Yeah, I did six million divided by forty one hundred logos divided by twelve months. Each each company is paying about one hundred twenty one dollars per month, which would be equivalent to two and a half to three seats. Yeah, that that makes sense. Two okay. seats. Yeah, that that. That that makes sense, and then uh, and in total number of licenses is uh, you could just divide the six million by twelve, and then by fifty five, and that's going to give you a good feel for for the total number of licenses. Are you like a, a master genius behind the scenes? You know exactly what levers to pull, and that's why your badger ops is so predictable in terms of growth. Or would you say it's like accident you've stumbled into it? And my my next question is. Have you tried tests to say, hey, let me see if I can actually grow thirty percent, you know, this quarter versus the consistent, you know, five five ten percent you always do. I mean, you know, we're 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 not as stable as you make us out to be. I mean, we grew more last year than this year. We grew like twenty nine percent last year. Uh, I think we're around fifteen percent is where we'll come in for this year. But so it's but it's off a bigger number. And we 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 did a really one really nice big deal last year, as you know. So. Yeah. Um, it's kind of screwed up the numbers, but in a good way. But no, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say I would. I wouldn't say no. I, I wouldn't say I'm a master genius. I, I don't value predictability. I wouldn't say uh, it, it's. It, you know, we we just do the best we can. We sell as much software as we can. And we treat our customers as well as we can to keep as many of them as we can. And I think 
it's it's just uh, a lot of them pay month to month. And so even when we get a decent sized new deal, it doesn't really move the revenue needle. So everything kind of, it ends up from an MR perspective being a very smooth business this whole time. I love that. Before we wrap up, you've taken capital a couple of times from FounderPath. We're obviously friends, so it's going to be hard for you to give an unbiased opinion here, but I would push you to try and be as unbiased as possible. You work with a lot of sort of capital providers like FounderPath. Where do where are we very different or very similar to other providers you've worked with? Well, I'd, I'd say that there are there are 10-ish SaaS-focused uh, providers. Some I, I, The first break I, I put first lens I look through is, is do they want an equity kicker or do they not? So do they, do they want warrants or not? Um, and so, you know, the, the trade-off being there that, that often, if you're doing well, that ends up being a much, much more expensive debt. If you're, if you don't do well, then that ends up being cheaper debt because the, the exchange in exchange for the warrants, you don't, you, you pay a much lower, uh, APR, but there, if you do well, then it becomes much, much more expensive. So for me, the warrant route has never been a good one and so I, I you know I've, I've kind of stuck on the side of of uh of the SaaS debt providers that don't ask for warrants um i guess i the uh the positioning that i would say if i were going to describe founder pass position i would say well it's it's very quick and they because of the way that founder path has leveraged technology to kind of get insights into the business like obviously you're a a, a data guy and a numbers guy you guys are able to, through integrations with my existing infrastructure, you know, I use ProfitWell, I, I, you know, I use QuickBooks, um, you've integrated my bank account, like you very quickly, you're able to understand exactly what's going on, going on in the business and, and, and make decisions around um, how much capital and you've made it very easy to re-up over the years and in, in terms of, um, you know, extending, you know, when, when extending like small amounts of additional capital based on our we've okay last six months we've grown this much this much and so you've unlocked this much new capital um that's not necessarily how it works with all the debt providers it's much more like you did this deal and and then you kind of pay it down over time and then you do another deal and it kind of so it's a little more spiky whereas i think uh you know you've been much more like a heartbeat than than the spikes so i guess those are do you remember? Do you know when you took? Do you remember the year you took your first draw and how many draws you've taken? Um, I I think I did my first debt deal in 2016, 2015 in in SaaS, and that obviously wasn't from you guys because you weren't doing yep. it then. Um, yep. So then I I refinanced that provider with another provider that was a bit cheaper, a bit more, uh, a bit more leverage in the business, and then. Uh, I had them for several years, and that, I think I did my first draw with you. I would guess in twenty twenty ish. Yep, and and do you know? Remember how many you've you've taken? Just ballpark. Um, I think six or seven. Yep. We try and make that easy. You know, we don't want to have it be a, a two month process or even a month or even a week a long process every time people request capital. So no, Steve, we, we we love working with you. We love watching your growth. Let's wrap up here uh, with the famous five. Number one, your favorite business book. Favorite business book. Um, hmm. I go uh, impossible to inevitable was probably the one that was most. I, I didn't re- I didn't read it in business school because it wasn't out yet, but. Uh, 
but in terms of the most impact on on running a SaaS business, I'd say that was number, the one that did it. No, number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Um, a CEO that I follow or study? I, I think I just I study you, Nate. I just I. <laughs> I, I <laughs> I hope you like what you find, buddy. Uh, number three, what's your favorite online tool for building Badger Maps? Favorite online tool? I mean, it that's an easy one. It's it's got to be uh, the, the the Google Suite. I forget they they've changed the brand seventeen times, so yep. I don't know what they even call it now. But may, email, Gmail and 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 Docs. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night with with the new one? And I, she's got to be a year over a year old now at this point, two three years old, right? Uh, she is, uh, she's actually 19 months. So she's, yep. uh, she's, she can sleep till the, through the night if she wants to, or she can choose to torture me way <laughs> even more, more so than she could have a year ago. But, uh, no, I, I, I tend to, to get a decent amount of sleep, probably around, uh, six and a half to seven and a half hours, depending on the night. All right. So married one kiddo and Steve, how old are you? I am 45 for two more months. All right. Well, happy, happy early birthday, man. Take us home here. Something you wish you knew when you were 20 years old. When I was 20 years old, I, uh, I wish that I knew how much, how, how fun and interesting and how much you would learn from running your own things. I worked at a lot of big companies, IBM, um, Autonomy, which is part of HP now, uh, and Google. And so there, and all state insurance was my first job out of college. And so, so I spent, you know, a, a, a good chunk of my career at very large companies. And I, I think I would have gotten, I would have learned more faster if I had worked at smaller companies just because of the exposure. I, Guys, I, I remember I counted 17 layers between me and the, the CEO of IBM. So I, that's, <laughs> that's pretty removed. <laughs> You guys, badgermapping.com. Steve launched it back in 2011, 2012. They scaled to over a million of revenue in 2017. Today, doing 6 million of revenue because over 4,100 companies who have field sales teams, they have to drive a route, knock on doors, etc. Use Badger Mapping to plan that route for efficiency, save on gas. Gas, get more done, close more sales. He's doing this uh, again, about 8,000 live seats on the platform. They're taking in and doing over 500, call it 2,000 calls per month. They're getting leads from integration partners like Salesforce. And he's done all of this totally bootstrapped, which we love. Steve, thanks for taking us to the top. Thanks for having me.